On today's episode, we have Betsy Britt. She's a pediatric dietitian based in Tampa, Florida, specializing in the nutritional management of celiac disease. She's passionate about nutrition counseling and teaching, especially on the impact that nutrition has on overall well-being. She focuses on nutrition for the entire family, knowing firsthand how difficult it can be to incorporate specialized dietary changes into the family routine. You can find her on Instagram at celiac period kids period nutritionist. And then she has a website, www.growwellnutritionperiod.com. Welcome to the show, Betsy. Thank you. Super excited to have you. I would love us to jump in and have you share with the listeners where you started and comparing where you started to where you are now. Yeah. So I started out in the clinical setting, just like everyone did, it seems like in nutrition. And gradually I've been moving more and more outpatient. I started my career as a pediatric dietitian, um, actually working with kids with brain tumors. And then I transitioned out into a cystic fibrosis clinic. And then stepping out further, I worked for a physician's office, a pediatrician here in Tampa, where I'm located. And now over the past several months, I've been working on my own, on my own practice. What an incredible journey you have been on. So with all that experience, it's very interesting to learn a little bit more about the types of clients you work with now. Can you share with us what is your current niche and how your niche has evolved compared to where you started? Yeah, absolutely. So I knew I was always going to be working with children. I kind of made that decision when I was in college and it's kind of just grown. And I have worked in so many different parts of the pediatric nutrition life cycle, if you will. Like I've worked in so many different clinics and kids with a multitude of different concerns. But when my own children were born, my oldest is four, she had so many food allergies. And I really learned firsthand how difficult it can be to navigate that and making sure that you are giving your kid enough nutrition nutrition without giving them things that may be hindering them or hurting them in some way. And I know even how stressful that can be as a parent. So trying to take away that burden has led me to work with kids who have either celiac disease or a variety of food allergies. Yeah, I think a lot of listeners can relate with having a personal connection to an area of dietetics. And what a wonderful way to bridge your passion with business, oftentimes we don't see that overlap in clinical. So kudos to you to be being able to find a way to interact your, your interest and obviously your family connection to what you do in your practice. So can you share with us, have you always had this dream of going into private practice, especially since you were a person who had a lot of experience in clinical? What made you want to start and take the leap to go to this next level in private practice? Yeah. So I have actually decided I was going to become a dietitian when I was 14. So like I was really young. And so my original plan was to go be the dietitian for a professional sports team. And so obviously things changed along that way. And I kind of developed this passion of pediatric nutrition, which I'm so grateful that I found the niche that I really, really am meant to be working in. And what really made me push to do this was actually like a blessing from COVID because my pediatric office allowed me to work with patients remotely. And I realized how helpful and useful it is, particularly working with kids because they don't want to go to the doctor's office. You know, they feel comfortable in their own homes. And I realized like there's such an opportunity to help those families out. And so I've actually been grateful for that, for the COVID stuff, just based on that one reason alone. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I know a lot of people go back and forth on this, but I think the era of COVID has really opened up the field of health to this new way of e-health, telehealth, that wasn't really that popular and it wasn't really something that insurance was backing. So in a lot of ways, not only is it making the traditional health practitioners working in hospitals able to still take on clients, it's making it a lot easier for people in private practice to get clients and convince them to work with them because telehealth and e-health is now a way of life. So what a great reflection. Yeah, thank you. I don't think a lot of people think of that because I think that is the fear. Who wants to talk to me online? You're like, well, actually everyone's doing it now. Yeah, I feel like it kind of takes away an intimidation factor because I think a lot of people like are afraid to see a dietitian because they're afraid they're going to judge them for some reason or another. And so kind of just like putting up that virtual barrier, I think just allows people to be a little bit more open and honest. Oh, so good. So true. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good end for people who've been wanting to get help, especially if they have a child with celiac or other allergies. And children are like definitely afraid of going to hospitals. And even if it's just like a private office and talk about a joy for them to feel comfortable, making it easier for you to help them and their family. Mm-hmm. All right. So Betsy, I would love for you to share with the listeners two tips that you have for effectively building no like and trust. Yeah, absolutely. Being your genuine self, especially kids, they can see, they see like they can like see through any kind of front you're putting up for them. And so trying to explain to my family is like, I'm going through struggles too. Our family's nutrition's not perfect. Any way you can be relatable and make it seem like you're going through what they're going through, because really in actuality, we are all have our own food struggles. And I think that it's helpful for moms to feel like, like when they come and see me, I'm not going to judge them for anything they do because I've been there, done that. And that's just like really helpful for me when I'm working with my patients. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Being genuine and being relatable are two amazing tips. And I think a lot of times with social media being the platform that it is, there's this idea that you have to put on a facade and be someone that you're not when ultimately people do want to feel comfortable and you want them to tell you the full honest truth. So if you're like, look at all my kale all the time, my kids eat every perfect allergen free thing all the time. They don't go and do something that's going to trigger them but but it happens right yeah no exactly like I am like totally open with sharing with people like hey I messed up today and my kid was exposed to her allergen and I just think that being able to share that with people they're going to be more likely to come to you and explain what they're struggling with oh beautiful such a great point and now that you've been able to establish yourself as a mom and family a woman that runs the house and understands the struggles. Can you share with us how much money you have made now that you've been able to really nail down your message and attract people who are looking for your support? Yeah. So I started my own practice in the beginning of August. And since then I today passed the $5,000 month. Wow. That's incredible. So can you share with us like what your next goal is? Cause 5,000, that's huge. August was like yesterday. So what's your next big goal? Yeah. So I have these like really big, huge goals of my husband wanting to take a step down from his current position and starting his own company. So within the next 18 months, we have this big, hairy, audacious goal of me making his income so he can actually build his own business. Ooh, do you mind sharing that audacious goal? Like what is it? 
Is it a monthly figure, yearly? How do you want to share it with us? Or yeah, break it so down? this is actually a really great tip that I would like to tell people is like yeah. breaking it down on what you want your goal to be so you can have it in these like bite-sized pieces so it doesn't seem like too ambitious, right? Oh. So my annual goal is 200000 which would make me have 17000 per month, $3,875 per week, or $775 per business day. Wow. And by the way, you guys, you guys can't see the video, but we may be bringing video up somewhere soon. She just pulled this amazing note off of her cork board. And I don't know if that's like your dream house behind you as well. Mm -hmm. You guys, she has her dream house pinned behind her and this list of her money goals broken down. She's like, actually, yeah, I have a list of everything, even down to the day. I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah, because not every single day is easy. And sometimes you have to remember why you're doing this. Oh, I love that. I have it in my calendar, but I'm totally going to start doing what you did and just put it on a cork board near my desk. That's so powerful. So with the money that you've made so far, what has that afforded you? Can you share what you've done with that $5,000 so far? Yeah, so I've been really fortunate. I've been able to really reinvest it into my company and really using it to help my company grow further. So that's really what we've used my income for is feeding that fire to keep my company growing bigger and stronger, faster. Yes, that's one of the best ways to do it. It's just reinvest it. And then once it starts to really flow, then you can start having fun with it. But it's been great to be able to do the same thing myself. I totally love when people are like, yeah, put it back in my business. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and this will be my beach house, this picture that you saw one day. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Where is that located? Is it in Florida? Yeah. So I live in Tampa, Florida. So we have Anna Maria Island and that's where it is. Wow. Goals. Goals. Right. My hairs are standing up. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. So excited. And can you tell us how you've been able to acquire this $5,000? Like how have you been using Instagram to grow your business to reach these crazy, amazing, audacious goals you've set for you and your family? Yeah. So I've definitely been doing a lot of networking on Instagram and just like trying to figure out like what people are looking for. And you can tell pretty clearly what parents in my case are looking for, right? So being able to identify what needs they want met is the best way for them to become potential clients for you. You have to show them what they need so that they know that you're going to be there to help them along the way. Ooh, I love that. Making sure their needs are met. That is a great, great angle because after all, they're looking for those supports. There's something they really do need. And as long as you're moving in that direction with your content, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that, can you walk us through your content creation process and really driving at the point of making sure their needs are met through what you're creating? Yeah. So I started out by doing a lot of interviews with people I know who had celiac disease or clients of mine who had celiac disease and trying to determine like what they thought was the most difficult part of navigating the gluten-free diet for them. And I've also been able to kind of take in my own experience of like leaving my child's allergist office and feeling like so overwhelmed. And even as a dietitian, like feeling so overwhelmed. So part of my process is making moms feel like they're not alone 
and also making sure I'm giving them an informative piece of information that they can take with them and know, okay, I am empowered one more way and I have the ability to help my child. Very cool. So like, what would you say is a graphic that does like really well for you that's in that same breath of like giving them that one empowering nugget or helpful tip? Yeah. So I think that the best graphic I can do is saying like, this is what your life can look like once your child's no longer in pain. So, you know, I can give them a tip of like, this is how you could eat at a restaurant. And because you can eat at this restaurant, you can have Disney princess lunches when you go to Disney world. I felt that I'm like, wow, (laughs) like a visceral feeling the way you just described that. I can only imagine that joy that that would bring not only to that mother, but that child. Cause heck adults, we're obsessed with Disney. So everyone's obsessed with Disney. So what a powerful way of drawing in your market research interviews with people that, you know, your own, and like, not only that, but being able to create content that really feels like that. I think that's great. And can you share with us, like how you were able to develop your messaging in that way? So was it, would you say the interviews really did it for you? Would you say just trial and error of creating stuff? Yeah, I definitely think it's a combination of those things. You have to figure out what your client really needs. We think that they need one thing because we know we have this information that we're going to give them. So we assume that that's the information that they want, but we really have to figure out what they want, right? And then based on what they want, that's what you can market, not necessarily what we are going to give them. Ooh, yes. I love the number of times you said they want. I'm like, yes, every time you said it, they want. It needs to be like a mantra or a chant when you log into Canva, what they want today, what (laughs) they want. (laughs) So true. Such, such powerful advice. Thank you for sharing that. And, and it's very clear that you've come to this point of understanding that. But for those that are out there that are starting out, they're probably like, Oh my God, Betsy sounds so confident. She's got this in the bag, but we all know it's a process, right? So can you share with us like what your Instagram feed looked like before you got into the dietitian boss method compared to where it is now? Yeah. So when I first started out, I used it just as my whole private practice was on Instagram. So it's basically like, oh, I treat this condition and this condition and this condition and this condition. And I just think that like, it was just like not focused at all. It wasn't narrow at all. And it was as if I was spending so much time like on a hamster wheel, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And at the end of the day, you know, someone once said it to me, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. And I really had to focus in on one specific problem, one specific solution. And that was really, really hard for me because like, you know, I want to help everyone. And I think that what people can realize is just because you're marketing to one person doesn't mean you can't help 5,000 people. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. People think of like the big, big, like, yes, there might be a million, I don't know the exact number for celiac, but when you focus in on pediatrics, you still have so many people to pull from versus saying, I help everyone with celiac. Cause this idea is like, okay, I've got a bigger pool to pull from, but you're one person. So it's even easier to really narrow it down. So you're really attracting people who you can target your help to and not help someone who's 60-year-old, 30-year-old, 7 years old. And that's like, those are different communication styles anyway. 
Mm -hmm, For sure. And I mean, and at the end of the day, like just because I'm giving my information for pediatric person doesn't mean it's not helping someone who's 60. Right. And then, and great if it does, but you know, at the end of the day, you have to spend your time working with a community or group or niche that you're passionate about. Thank you so much, Betsy, for sharing those insights about your Instagram. Super inspiring to hear how you've been able to narrow it down. So I'd love to talk more about the idea of just getting started because the dietitian boss method teaches us that you don't need to be perfect. In fact, you can get started imperfectly. So can you share with us what starting imperfectly looked like for you? Yeah. So it was just like unorganized chaos, just trying to reach the masses saying like, Hey, I'm talking about iron today, but tomorrow I'm going to talk about fiber. And it just really had no rhyme or reason to it. And, you know, I think that I just really had to like narrow in my focus because at the end of the day, like who's going to follow an account that is just like completely random. Like maybe once out of 10 posts, they're going to find something that's helpful for them. But in the end of the day, they're not going to come to you for nutrition advice. They're going to look for someone who's the specialist on what they're looking for. Ooh, I like that approach. There's something about being a specialist. There is something like that's very like, I'm a specialist. You don't think about it that way. But now Mm -hmm. that you just said it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like when you go to a doctor and they're like, well, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. It makes you feel heard and you know you're going to get really, really good advice, right? Versus your general practitioner. Yeah, for sure. And like, this is like one of my quotes that I live by, like, not everyone is the best at everything, but you may as well go to see the person who's the best at what they do. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to write that down and put that down on my wall somewhere. So true. What a great approach to creating content and setting up your page for success is having that framing. That's awesome. And can you share with us like how you've adapted from that perspective, especially since a lot of people think you need like a lot of things to get started, right? So what other things have you been able to do to just kind of get started imperfectly? Yeah. So I had no plan. I think I just like woke up one day and I was talking to my husband. I said, I think I'm going to start my own practice today. And so like I had literally no plan. I know I've talked to a lot of friends of mine who like took months and months to build business plans and X, Y, Z, but like the best plans are just big go haywire because nothing ever goes according to plan. And so I think that once I finally like met with my lawyer, I had my LLC built, like I started marketing and I, just kind of went from there. And I said, well, I'm going to market this for now. And when I need it, I will have something available. Great plan. I love it. Not overly complicated. Don't need a website. Don't need a business plan. That's a hundred pages. Just like get out there. Great advice. And if you had to give advice Mm -hmm. on top of what you already given about just starting and getting out there imperfectly, what would that advice look like for someone who wants to do it? Yeah. So I think that it's just, don't be afraid of failing. Right. And, you know, I think that that is like a phrase that people will throw around out there a lot, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you don't have to make $500,000 this year to be successful. Any patient that you help or any client that you help or any dollar that you make is because of all of the hard work you put into something. And so don't let your heightened expectations of what making it looks like keep you from doing it in the first place. Man, there's a few people I've interviewed recently. I'm like, you guys need TED Talks because (laughs) 
that right there is a gem. We need to put it on a shirt because you're so, 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 so correct. I think a lot of people let the fear of what they want to be and like that height that they want to reach and get up to, they let that like really bog them down from taking the necessary action to accomplish, let's say 5,000. And then Mm -hmm. five becomes 15, 15 becomes 50. And eventually it becomes 500,000. But they look at 500,000 and they're like, well, I'm either there or I'm not there. And that mindset is so limiting. For sure. Like you, I like in order to get to the top of the building, you have to climb every step. Facts. They make contests based on that simple fact. So, (laughs) so I would love now for you to share about the mindset around all of this, because in order to garner sales, like you've done already making that amazing $5,000 for yourself since starting in August, there's a sales approach that you have to take and there's a mindset involved. So how do you approach sales and how has your mindset evolved in that process? Yeah. So I remember this very vividly. Like once I had all my paperwork done, once I started marketing, all I wanted was that one first patient, right? I just wanted that one client. And I just remember getting that client, counseling that client, and I never celebrated it. I just said, when's the next one coming? Right. And I think that that's really shifted. You have to celebrate every single victory because you have to realize how much work you're putting into it. And like any kind of income or any kind of family that you're helping or any kind of client that you're helping is a win and you deserve to be celebrated for that win. Do you mind sharing with us if it's not too embarrassing? Like if you have like a sales call dance or song or what you do, because you're kind of like alluding to that. Maybe you do something now. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I have like a sales call dance or something, but I just like allow myself to feel confident and feel good about it. Right. Like I think that it's super easy to say, Oh, they only booked me because it was a fluke or, Oh man, this was a one-off and now I'm not going to get anyone else. And I think that it's just like continuing to remind yourself, no, they booked you because you're awesome and you're going to continue to be awesome and more people are going to book with you. Yes, your awesomeness doesn't fade. It doesn't disappear. When it rains, it doesn't wash away. It's just there. I love that. So true. So I would love now for you to share even more empowering things that you've already (laughs) accomplished so far, but can you provide specific examples of how the dietitian boss method has empowered you. Yeah. So I honestly did not think that mindset mattered. I thought it like, even when I went through the modules, I'm like, all right, mindset, I'm going to toss this. I know what I'm doing. And then I honestly think that it wasn't until I started really realizing like I did my mindset exercises. I wrote down my money goals. I wrote down my daily mantra that I read to myself every morning and every night because those are the pillars are, that are going to get keep you going. It's not going to necessarily be goals because every single income goal is going to change. It's going to go up, you know? And But these are those static pillars that I can look at and say, this is why I'm doing it. I am looking at all of these awesome things about me. And that is what I think I learned most so far is how important changing your mindset is about that sort of thing. I can tell you, me personally, same thing. I used to think, oh, this is a bunch of woo-woo stuff. Like, I'm not a negative person. I totally love mantras. But I was like, I don't think I need that mindset stuff. I think I'm fine. But you're so correct. I feel like that was by far the most valuable 
asset for me is being able to shift that. And what I think you really framed it in a way I haven't heard anyone frame it before is that mindset, those are the static pillars. And mm-hmm. those pillars are like in which we need to build our, like put our roof on top of it. Like, but that's like what we need in order to like have a business are those pillars kind of surrounding because goals are fluctuating. They're, they're going to change. And I think that's something that people often forget. And we think of it in the, in the reverse, even that the goals are static and the mindset is kind of like, you got to shift it. No, you have to have like this consistent mindset reminding yourself who you are reminding yourself like all the awesome things that you're capable of and all the amazing things you can deliver to your clients and yeah it needs to be static I think that's so important so thank you for sharing that absolutely and can you share with us like a little bit more about some of the things that you want to do next in your business. I know you shared with us these amazing, amazing money goals down to the day, but I would love to know what's next in your business. Yeah. So right now I'm working on groups. I know that my ideal client is really interested in groups. They like to meet like-minded moms that they can communicate with. And so that's really the next step for me is building my group program. Well, I can't wait. It should be even easier. I wrote it down to make $775 per day. She said, yes, that, I mean, it's two clients a day, right? And in groups. Yeah. You onboarding clients in a group setting. That's going to make it even easier for you Mm -hmm. to reach 200,000. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're such a boss, Betsy. I've enjoyed interviewing you today. Thank you so much for having me. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.